is Free Talk Live, where, as always, you're invited to take control of the airwaves and talk about whatever is important to you. 603-283-6160 is the call line if you'd like to do that. That's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And I've got good news out there for people. NFT sales seem to be flatlining, thank goodness. There's also <laughs> an El Salvador update. I'm really happy to see NFTs just go away. Of course, um, I did an interview with someone today from the college, and during the course of the conversation, NFTs, it, it had to come up, right? Because mm. he, he's doing a story about cryptocurrency and all of that stuff. So NFTs, they, they become integral in the minds of the average person to cryptocurrency at this point. Or NFT is the next big craze, the next big crypto thing for the average person. And It's really annoying to have to defend NFT is selling for $30 million when they're a picture of rocks just anytime you talk about crypto to an army. See, well, you I don't have to defend it. No, I don't defend it. I was like, yeah, those are scams. Run away. Mm-hmm. I, I don't either. I just mean like they think they think you do because they're like, oh, this is crypto. I heard that this is bad. Well, it is a form of crypto, I guess, but I, I don't take it seriously. And it's going to be. I, I like the idea behind NFTs, and, and I could see a world in which I take them seriously as as alternatives to claims of property rights or something like that. Like, obviously, if a, a, a person owns their home, if they if they live there and they, you know, there, there are ways to establish who owns a, a house. And usually that's registering it with the city or something like that. There are ways of doing this in a free market using NFTs, perhaps. That NFT would, stands for non-fungible token. Yes, thank you. And using it on registering the copyright or the ownership on the blockchain would mean that no one could just pop into your house and take it from you, which is the whole point of the house registration in the first place. However, that's not at all what NFTs are being used for. It's, as you pointed out, it's being used to sell six pixels that people are calling rocks for millions upon millions of dollars. And it's it's been disgusting the entire time it's been playing out. It's the new ICO. And that was the initial coin offering. Those were popular three or four years ago before I even moved to New Hampshire was when they were really taking off. Well, you know, the ICO was more akin to like the old uh, dot-com boom back at the turn of the, the century when people Ooh, were, were throwing money left and right into the new whatever the new hot dot-coms were. And of course, most of them went bust. And the same thing was true with the ICO, but at least with the ICOs, you were talking about ideas, right? Everybody that had an ICO had an idea they were pitching, whether it be for some new uh, service or website or you know card or whatever it was that they had in mind, whatever technology. Well, initially they had ideas that they were pitching, mm-hmm. but as as it evolved, it was just we have a marketing approach that we want to promote, and it was just. The the Bitcoin white paper, it's a technical document, right? It's mm-hmm. it's This is a problem, and here's how we solve the problem. And that's how the first ICO white paper started out, too. But as time went on, they be, they began to look more and more like PowerPoint presentations and less and less like technical documents. So it was more about, we need to put together some fancy presentation in order to raise money and sell this idea. Almost none of which are ever going to come to fruition because if you dig into these, quote, white papers, you find out that they don't actually have an idea underlying them. I think that a lot of people just don't understand that a tool is a neutral thing. An NFT is a tool. It's a neutral thing. You can do something bad with it. You can scam someone, maybe. You can money launder with something. But you can also, like, just put a deed to your house on the blockchain, like you said, and... 
people will see that one person did something like money launder by selling a rock for millions of dollars, and oh, this is actually how we earn this money when it was really drug dealing or something, you know. That was one of the hypotheses I've heard about the NFTs that I hadn't really thought about. That I, I think it's probably likely, you know, this is the modern version of fine art. Yep. This is what rich people do. They, mm-hmm. in order to hide their drug money or to do whatever it is they do with money laundering, they pretend to sell fine art, which is where you know Joe Joe Biden's son Hunter paints some horrible painting and then sells it to some Ukrainian company for fifty million dollars, and in reality, it's. It's drug money that went to buy that or whatever. I don't know mm-hmm. how it all works. The pa- Something like that, yeah. The art that was a banana taped to the wall that sold for like <laughs> millions of dollars. But I see, I, I just, I don't know if I buy it because I tend to think people really are just that stupid. It's probably a combination of both. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. But either way, it doesn't make the use of NFTs evil if somebody does something evil with a tool. It's like Good point. a knife isn't evil because someone stabbed someone with a knife when most people use knives to cut their uh, vegetables to cook with. Yeah, I don't think any of us are saying, and uh, Ari, you, you're not against the concept oh, yeah, of she, NFT. She is not, but people I've had conversations with who don't understand crypto use NFTs having a use case that's bad as an argument against like even learning about cryptocurrency. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's always going to be the case, even whether with or without NFTs, there's always the argument that bad people use Bitcoin, you know, oh, drug dealers, oh, you know, terrorists, even though 99% of drug dealers and terrorists are using the U.S. dollar. Well, yeah, uh, it's super easy so. to launder U.S. dollars. You just hand it from one person to the other, right? <laughs> yeah. Or uh, you sell them fine art. Or whatever, but yep. the uh, the problem with the NFT is the craze behind the NFT, and that was what became the problem with the ICO as well. Was the the, the craze where it just became this mindless dump of of funds going into various different pitches, many of which were complete scams. Do you remember useless Ethereum token? No, but you've mentioned it before. Yeah, I didn't come it, across it when it was a thing. It's my favorite example, and I don't remember the website for it now, but it's literally just useless Ethereum token. It's probably uselessET.com or something along those lines. That's what it's called? Yes. It was an Ethereum token that someone created. They to- they said it didn't do anything. It was never going to be useful. It was never going to be tradable on any exchange. They were never going to do anything with it except release it to the people who bought it. And they called it useless Ethereum token. They they put all over their website, do not send me your money. No, seriously, this isn't a joke. Don't send me your money. I just created this useless token because I wanted to see what would happen. <laughs> and what happened was this dude raised millions upon millions of dollars of people <laughs> buying useless Ethereum tokens from him. <laughs> That's kind of like, I mean, I mean, it's kind of like Doge, except they didn't say not to buy it. It, it was very similar to Doge, except Doge is... Doge is useful as a currency. You can buy things with it. Yeah. And I don't know how frequently, you know, stores around Keen or wherever accept Dogecoin. I, I imagine none of them do. I, I don't think know. Might, Moosemart might, but I don't know. I haven't been in there in a long time. I'm not really sure because I don't think anybody's ever tried, but the uh, primary, primary care doctors used to and they recently stopped. Oh, that's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, they cut way down. They went from a bunch of different options to just Bitcoin and Ethereum. And of course, no one would ever I mean, want Bitcoin to pay for anything cash, with right? Ethereum. We know no, no I don't Bitcoin recall. Cash. I mean, I don't use it. I just have seen you do it. Yeah. So that's the last time I saw. Well, for something like that, if I recall correctly, when I spoke to them about it, I ended up using cash because of obvious reasons. But I was curious about their Bitcoin methods. And I wanted to make it clear to them that the fact that they took Bitcoin is why it was there in the first place. Even though I couldn't use Bitcoin, that was why it was there. 
And they mm-hmm. say, yes, we accept Bitcoin, but you have to buy a year's worth of the program at a time, which makes it significantly more worth it because you're just paying what one $720 fee for a full year or whatever the monthly fee was. I don't remember now. And what was this service? This was the primary health care that. Oh, weird. Bonnie's been paying monthly. Oh. Yeah, I didn't know. Maybe they changed the rules and they got grandfathered in or something. At any rate, it it made more sense from that perspective to have a one-year-long Bitcoin payment. Like Wilder Mm -hmm. Automotive, um, if I wanted to get my car repaired and I wasn't restricted from doing so, I would be more willing to use Bitcoin for that sort of payment because that cost is going to be like six, seven hundred dollars And at that point, a $3 Bitcoin fee isn't that big a deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if I'm buying a five dollar burger from local burger or something like that, then right. yes, I don't want to. I don't want to eat that enormous fee. Do we want to talk about NFTs since we already started? We might as well. Uh, so the story here from the Wall Street Journal that the NFT market is collapsing, and let it be known, we predicted this <laughs> a long on time ago. Free Talk Live because it was clearly a fad. It was just as much of a fad as CryptoKitties was a fad in 2017, which was sort of the first NFT. In that was a way. at least a video game, though. Was it? I never even. I didn't. If get I that recall far correctly, it. yeah, it, it has some RPG elements where you could fight one CryptoKitty against no another. Idea. Wow. If I remember correctly. Okay. But did you actually use them? No. I've oh, okay. Got, there are better games to play. Than I got the impression they were just collectors, collectible items or whatever, these digital collectible items. And that's sort of what NFTs are today. If you Google search for CryptoKitties, it pops up initially as video game. Hmm. So maybe there was more of a game aspect maybe to it than to I thought. you had to feed them or whatever, like a Tamagotchi or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but now the NFT thing looks like it might be on a serious decline. We'll tell you more about it coming up. 603-283-6160. If you want to weigh in, did you buy an NFT? Are you watching us? Value go to zero. Give us a call. Let us know. It's Free Talk Live. You're invited to take control of the airwaves and talk about whatever is on your mind. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to do that. Again, that's 603-283-6160. We do in the studio tonight. It's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And we're talking about NFTs here. And it's been a while since I really perused Bitcoin.com. But the last time I did, they didn't really talk about NFTs. Instead... They just help people learn about cryptocurrency and stay up to date on all the news that's happening in the cryptocurrency world, as well as even buying and selling cryptocurrency. Evidently, they've branched out from Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, and you can now buy Dash, Ethereum, and I think some others over at Bitcoin.com. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you definitely need to go there. Click Getting Started at the top of the page. Just take a few minutes out of your day to learn about this important, world-changing information because people are talking millions of dollars here with this NFT nonsense. And while we would advise you to avoid this NFT nonsense, there are legitimate reasons to get into cryptocurrency. Learn all about them at Bitcoin.com. We have Olivia on the line from Arizona. Olivia, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. So you'll never guess. I, stopped, I dropped into a little radio station, a little tiny local radio station that's not owned by a big corporation. And they need salespeople to sell ads. And I kind of want to get into having my own show, which is $1,500 a month, which I do not have. So I wanted to learn how to sell ads. And um, I don't know. I was just, I know they're going to train me some, but I kind of wanted to find out more from you guys. They want, I I want to make sure I understand this. They, if you give them $1,500 per month, they will let you have a show there. 
Is that correct? Yeah, one a one-hour show, five days a week. But in order to mm. get that, I would have to sell ads. And so I, I guess I want sales tips and radio show tips and whatever you got, just throw it at me. <laughs> well, I can tell you as far as sell stuff goes, um, I know, Ian may know more as well, but I, I don't. I would suggest that you email Mark at freetalklive.com. He's, yeah, he's got a lot of years experience of actually being a local salesperson. I mean, the last 15 years of his life, he's been doing Free Talk Live. So that's different than doing local radio sales, right? Like we have national advertisers. Uh, you would have local advertisers there. But I know one of his old tactics back in the day was he would listen to the competition and listen to their advertising. He didn't care about what was on the air. He wanted to listen to the ad breaks and okay. see who was advertising on the competition. And because the idea there is part of the, the one of the hardest things to do when you're selling um, radio or television or newsprint or whatever it is, you know, whatever kind of media we're talking about, is to get somebody over the hump of being willing to buy any advertising. So if you go, that's brilliant, yeah, man. See, He's a very good salesman. Uh, so if you go to someone who's already buying something else, whether it be a newspaper ad or a radio ad or something like that, um, and if you go if you go for the other radio advertisers, they're already buying radio, so you don't have to sell them on the idea of radio as an effective mean of communication. Then you're just going in and you're selling rate. You're going in. You're going to somebody that's already paying too much on a corporate radio station because you said the station you're talking about is not a corporate station. So they're paying corporate right. rates, which are going to be top tier, high end rates. And you go in there and say, hey, we've got this local station. It's got this local audience, probably has a smaller signal. You probably don't want to focus on that. Uh, but then, you know, here's here's our rates. And then you can hopefully do them a much better deal. And then maybe they'll say yes. So that would be my best tip for you is go after the people who are already advertising. Otherwise, it's just the the daily grind of uh, knocking on doors, smiling and, uh, and dialing. But it's always best to go in. And, and physically see if you can connect with a business owner in real life rather than trying to call on the phone, in my opinion. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I would try Mark, though. Try Mark at uh, freetalklive.com and, and see if he can give you some other tips. Thank you so much for the call tonight, Olivia. And good luck. Yeah, yeah, excellent. That's tough, by the way. I, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, yeah, you're just going to be easy. No, well, $1,500 is- a sell in advertising sales per month. That's steep. Like even oh, if she no, that's not really that bad. I mean, that's for a show, one client. She, well, she has no show at this point, right? Yeah, it's not going to be easy. I just want to make that clear. I mean, fifteen hundred dollars is what pays for the show, but then you probably want to like I don't know, earn enough to buy some food at the end of the week. So you probably should get some more than than one client or whatever. But sales is the one of the hardest professions in the world. It's not hard as in like you're laying brick and breaking your back like construction or whatever. It's not deadly in that, you know, like logging or roofing. So it's definitely a safer profession. But as far as making it, as far as being a good salesman and being successful at it, it's tough. There's a lot of competition out there. There's and- a lot of competition and a lot of misconceptions. And this was one of the things I learned during IT. I happened to be doing uh, subcontract work for someone who had used to be a salesman and we talked about this a number of times where, you know, most people have the assumption that a car salesman or whatever kind of salesman, they're going to be kind of shady. They're going to be a little mm-hmm. bit dishonest. You have to watch your guard around sure. them. Not usually because those salesmen, they, they tend to get chased out of sales positions by mm-hmm. people who are honest and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they end up not being. They not get, if the whole dealership is screwy. 
That's true, but in that case, the dealership ends up going under because no one wants to buy from them. No one trusts them. They they can't mm. really. In general, a dishonest salesperson, they can't fulfill their contracts. Their their clients start getting upset. Hmm. That salesperson's supervisor gets upset. They they fire, they reprimand him. Nothing changes, so they fire them. So salespeople, in my experience, based on those conversations, I started looking for it afterwards. They do sort of tend toward honesty. You have to be like risky because you won't have a set amount of money you make every single day. Yes, this is uh, the benefit of uh, sort of doing your own thing, right, is that you can make as much as you are worth if you're really good at sales. And this is why they say that sales is the best paying profession in the world if you're good at it. Sure. If you are not willing to go in and make cold calls, and that means show up in front of somebody's eyeballs or pick up the phone and talk to somebody you've never spoken with before, it's not. It's a tough job for a lot of people who cannot handle that level of uncertainty. They can't handle the uncertainty of not knowing what they're going to get paid every month. That's why most people just stick with a job working for some corporation because they feel safe, they feel secure. But if you're good at sales, and that you know, and there are skills that you can develop to become sure. good at at sales. I'm sure there's a zillion books out there. I don't know which one. That would be another question I would ask Mark. Is you know what book? Or or two books or whatever, could you pick up and read to uh, you know learn some of the skills at sales? In a more overarching sense, I would suggest that radio sales in particular is not the best. I mean, sales in general is probably is fine long term, but mm-hmm. you got to believe in your product. Yeah, I'm not sure that radio is going to. My my recommendation would be to start a podcast or something like that mm-hmm. and begin to build listeners and use Patreon or something like that and use that to raise the money. That way you're using your creative art or whatever. Going directly to the listener is certainly the smartest way to go. Uh, but you know she sees radio as something viable and may still be in her area. I don't know. It's it's getting harder and harder, though, as time goes on. She's, I'm an, old not... school. She's an old school type of girl. She likes uh, newspapers. Oh, that's, yeah, that's true. true. She does. And I don't mean to say it's impossible that radio is going to die or anything like that. I really don't. But if her goal is to create a show and she's just selling mm-hmm. advertising, advertising in order to pay for that show, then, then just start a show at that point. Sure. And, you know, if you're passionate about that, you're more likely to raise the money doing that than you are going out there and trying to sell advertising to people when you're not passionate about it. But I don't know. I've never been successful at selling advertising, so... Good Def- luck, Olivia. Yeah, and definitely email Mark. That's Mark at freetalklive.com. What are your thoughts? Would you recommend getting into advertising, radio, podcasting? What would you, what steps would you take to get started? 603-283-6160. When we get back, we're going to talk about NFTs. The it's death of NFTs. Long overdue. <laughs> it's Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. It 
It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to weigh in. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And we've been making fun of NFTs here on Free Talk Live for a number of years. I think pretty much since we first heard the concept of NFT and we first explored it, it was like, okay, well, what... What is this? What is it going to do? What utility does it have? How is it useful? I think just about everyone here on the show has been adamantly against NFTs ever since. I know at one point, roughly a year-ish, maybe ago, I wanted to create an NFT. Uh, oh, yeah. A, a black pixel and mm-hmm. a white pixel. And they were going to be the, the foundation of all things, right? The on and off switch. And I wanted to sell it as an NFT. Of course, then we realized that... We can't do it because of yeah. bail conditions <laughs> in the Crypto 6. But man, that could have been a real money maker. Somebody it, can. They can title it the Monad. Well, evidently, it's a little bit too late now. Yeah. NFT sales are flatlining as I'm... I will never be able to say that enough to stop smiling when I hear it. (laughs) I've hated NFTs. I've hated having to talk about them. Mm -hmm. And I've hated having to explain to people, no, that's different from cryptocurrency. What we're advocating is not NFTs. Stay away from NFTs, but don't stay away from cryptocurrency. Of course, I would say be very cautious about NFTs. I'm not going to go as far as you, Arya, and say I'm completely against it because I think there are some applications for it where it makes sense. How many well, think, there like, are, I don't know. Property ownership and stuff, claims and stuff like that. It, it would I've be useful some, for that purpose. I've seen some interesting pitches on ideas for NFTs. There's, uh, let's see, Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino, the film uh, filmmakers, are offering special NFT. And, and f- forgive me if you're a fan of these guys, and I don't, and I get this a little bit wrong, but. Uh, I believe it was Kevin Smith or Quentin Tarantino. One of them made a movie that has not, been, has not been released, and he's only going to release it to the highest bidder on this NFT and basically transfer the ownership of this film to that person who wins that. And That's using it for copyright, which I, I sort of don't object to beyond the fact that it's copyright. Well, I wouldn't say well, it's like copyright. It's like saying this is a thing that no one has yet. I have made this thing, and if you are the highest bidder, you will now become the, th- the owner of this thing. If you and want to open source can, it... Yeah, they can decide to let anyone watch it or make people pay to watch right. it or whatever instead of... They could keep it forever. Having to listen to Kevin Spacey. Or, I mean... They could keep it Smith. forever and never show it to anyone. Yeah, or but the could, Wu-Tang Clan did this a few years ago, and it just they did the exact same thing. It just wasn't in an FT. What okay. was it? They just had an unreleased album. That Martin Shkreli guy, Farmer Bro, he mm-hmm. was the one who ended up buying it. But yeah, they just had an unreleased album that they weren't selling to anyone. They just put it up for auction and sold it off to the highest bidder. It seems like the NFT concept is just an additional step to this auctioning process. I don't know. Really I necessary. mean, how many people know how to become a authorized bidder at Sotheby's or whatever, whoever the hell these auction houses are? I don't know if being an NFT user makes it more difficult to bid it's in It's got to be more difficult to learn about NFTs, to acquire some Ethereum and to bid on them, find the marketplace and then bid on them. I don't know. I mean, the market has made it fairly simple from what I understand. I've never done it. I but, haven't either. But from what I understand, the, there's been given the craze surrounding NFTs, it can't be that hard uh, to get into them these days. Given that you know companies want to make it as simple as possible, but to become a registered bidder with an auction house probably requires some hoop jumping too. 
That's a fair point. Yeah. But you can continue to get stuff at auction houses, and that may or may not be the case with NFTs going forward. Well, I mean, I think NFTs are probably never going to go away completely, but their market share is definitely falling off big time. According to the Wall Street Journal, the sale of non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, fell to a daily average of about 19,000 this week, a 92% decline from a peak of about 225,000 back in September. That's still a whole lot more than I would like to hear about. This is a global phenomenon, though, 19,000 in a week. That's fair. The number of active wallets in the NFT market fell 88% to about 14,000 last week from a high of 119,000 in November. NFTs are Bitcoin-like digital tokens that act like a certificate of ownership that live on a blockchain. Rising interest rates have crushed risky bets across financial markets, and NFTs are among the most speculative. I didn't even like the term Bitcoin-like tokens. That doesn't make sense. Bitcoin's not a token. I don't see how it's like Bitcoin. They're just trying to explain it in one sentence. It's the best they can do. Well, it's Uh, stupid and it's making normies think (laughs) dumb things. Since hitting highs in November, the tech-heavy Nasdaq composite has fallen 23% and Bitcoin has fallen by 43%. The Federal Reserve is slated to raise rates, which is also in the news today. They did that. So they did raise the rates. Uh, Weren't the interest rates zero? Close to it, yeah. They raised them, I think, once earlier this year to like... 0.25 or something. Uh, Many NFT owners are finding their investments are worth significantly less than when they bought them. As investors, they say, are turning to more defensive stocks like consumer staples. An NFT of the first tweet from Twitter, uh, Twitter Incorporated founder, uh, co-founder Jack Dorsey. But they don't own that. Twitter does. Well, they own an image of it. (laughs) Okay, Uh, cool. Take a screenshot. Now I own an image of it, too. But they own the image of it that Jack Dorsey put up for sale. And he sold it in March of last year for $2.9 million to Sina Estavi, the chief executive of Malaysia-based blockchain company Bridge Oracle. Earlier this year, Mr. Estavi put the NFT up for auction. Go ahead and take a guess. If you haven't heard. How much did he buy? No. $2.9 million worth of crypto. That was what the buyer bought it for. This is an image of a tweet from Jack Dorsey. The very first tweet ever. That's correct. Yeah. On Twitter. Or at least Jack Dorsey's first tweet. I don't know if it's the first I'm one. Gonna, I'm going to guess $3,000. It actually got as high as $14,000. Wow. That's, that, that's horrible. But that's did, still abysmal, yeah. But it was, I guess they had like, you know how on eBay they have a, a minimum that you can set for your auctions? I guess he had a minimum set and it didn't reach that, so he I rejected. I would imagine not. Yeah, he rejected the 14000 He said, though, now get this, this guy who spent $2.9 million on an image said the failure of the auction wasn't a sign the market's deteriorating, but it's just a normal fluctuation that could occur in any market. Uh, yeah, I would be in denial, too, if yeah. I lost almost two $2.9 million. That's serious <laughs> denial. The, buying uh, an image of a tweet. He says the NFT market's one that's still developing, and it's impossible to predict how it will look in a few years. He says, quote, I will never regret buying it because this NFT is my capital. He says, quote, I refuse to look at what the facts say about yeah. what happened to me. Bro, that's, that's sad. It isn't capital if you can't use it to do anything. It's not capital if you cannot turn around and sell it for something. Yeah, it did I not hate, hold its value. No, I hate to say it, dude. 
accept that $14,000 for it and... May never yeah. see that again. I mean, he's never going to see more than $14,000. Yeah, maybe 7000 if he tries again in another month. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to go back up. I don't think he's ever going to get more than 14000 for it at this point. Another- people are realizing they can just go take a snipping tool screenshot of the tweet if they wanted to. Another NFT buyer purchased a Snoop Dogg curated NFT titled Doggy Number 4292 in early April... For about $32,000 worth of cryptocurrency, they're using Ether, the NFT, an image of a green-skinned astronaut standing on what looks like a Hollywood Walk of Fame star, is now up for auction with an asking price of... Hold on, hold on. He bought it for $32,000. It's just some garbage, nonsensical NFT. It's one of 5000 or so, it sounds like. Right. It's at Snoop least Dog one of 5000 well, Snoop Dogg Dog curated it. Yeah, I was like, did he draw it? No, it probably just not. means he put a stamp of approval yeah. on it and, wow. got, and got a cut of the profit, That's is what, it what means. I would guess. Yeah. And it was $32,150. No, no, no. This is, the, this is what the dude wants for it. So you have to think in the other direction. This person oh, he bought, bought it. it. Oh, and now he's trying to sell he's it. He's trying to sell it. What do you think he thinks it's worth now? What do you think he thinks he should get for it after spending $32,000? million. In April, by the way. $3,000 so a month A month ago. $1.5 million. $25.5 million <laughs> is his asking price. Oh, and the current, man. The current bid... Now, I wish it linked to this thing because I would love to see what, you know where it was at. This article came out two, yesterday. came out yesterday, so pretty pretty fresh. Uh, the current bid for this 32000 what was $32,000 when he paid for it, is 0. .07 and change Ether, or at this time around $200 worth oh of Ether. Goodness. More, There's coming, more up. coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us, 603-283-6160, although I suspect if you're one of these people who spent an insane amount of money, an insane amount of money, that's a relative term, but who spent tens of thousands of dollars on an NFT, and now you're looking at it and it's worth tiny percentages of what it was when you bought it, I suspect you're not willing to call in and tell us about it, but we invite you to 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria, Bonnie, and Ian, and that's what we're talking about here. The, the, the collapse of the NFT industry, which we knew was we knew this was inevitable. We said the entire time that we've been talking about NFTs here on the show that it was a bubble. It was the tulip bulb craze. It's a fad. Of the 21st century. Yes, absolutely a fad. It got it got hyped up into oblivion to the point where people were buying six pixel rocks. And it, it was like three pixels across and three pixels. It was three pixels across and two pixels down, and people were paying tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands at least. for these, what they were calling rocks, and they weren't even rocks. And of course, you had the 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 stupid ape club, what's it called? The Bored Ape Club. Bored oh. Ape Club, yes. And of course, at the Bitcoin conference in Miami, apparently, there was a party that you couldn't even get into without mm-hmm. being able to show that you had one of these Bored Ape Clubs. I bet you that party won't be requiring that next year, and... Honestly, yeah. and I bet you it was boring. I wouldn't have wanted to go to that party. Yeah. I was like, "Hey, look, that's where all the idiots are congregating. Let's go <laughs> sell them. Let's go sell them some tulip bulbs, right?" <laughs> but it's sad at the same time because these people they did put a lot of money into these things. 
I wish they had thought more about it and what use, what value it could have for them to have this Snoop Dogg curated NFT that they bought for $32,000. It was That one of, anyone could right-click on and save and keep a copy for themselves. Yes, that, that's another issue with NFTs, of course. Is, or the URL that they point to could disappear. When I heard about that, I was like, that's that was the draw, line drawn. I was like, okay, these things are complete trash. It points to a URL that shows your certificate. And that URL could disappear if the server that runs the URL disappears. That's very concerning when I learned that, yeah. I was like, that's the dumbest part of all this crap. I guess some of them are on IPFS, which in theory would be less likely to to go down. But again, if there's only one server mirroring it, then it's still risk. It, it could just be my ignorance about NFTs coming into play, and it's not really worth hashing out on the radio. But I don't understand why a, a web browser or a website even entered the picture in the first place. Why wasn't the the uh, the wallet's owners, why wasn't the address of the wallet on the blockchain as the owner of that particular token? Like okay. Once you send a token to a wallet. Let's clarify something. The way as I understand it, we're all talking about something we've never done here, right? Uh, the way I understand from having read stories about the NFT is when you buy the NFT, you're buying a token, right? You're right. buying a non-fungible token that has some sort of data on it that that data points to, in many cases, is simply a URL. So it says that you, Aria Demetso, are now the owner, quote-unquote, of the image I see. of a bored ape or a Snoop Dogg thing or whatever it is that's at this URL on some centralized server somewhere on the yes. internet. And that, that, and that could change without your knowledge. Okay? Yes, so they could you, change the image completely. Yeah, you bought bored ape number 97 or whatever. You you like that ape. Maybe you yeah. look at it six months from now and you're like, wait a minute, my, my bored ape didn't have sunglasses. But now right. it does and there's nothing you can do about it. No, there's mm-hmm. nothing you could do about it. I see why it was designed that way now, but oh, that's that if just you didn't makes get, it so much worse. That's if you didn't get scanned and completely taken for a ride, like with a, uh, what was it, Pixelmon that we talked about a few weeks ago? This thing that oh, was yes, advertised <laughs> in, in, with certain artwork that was nowhere near what actually was released, and the guy that, that created this seems to have disappeared off the face of the planet. After, I can't say that I blame After him. claiming he was going to make it right, and then poof, he's gone. Well, that's what they do a lot of these places. I remember Bitcoin, Bitcoin Silver, one of the ICOs that I watched at the time did, did the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. It was obvious to anyone who's paying attention that this was a scam and these people were never going to see their money. But sure enough, this person was on Twitter. No, we're just running into some technical issues. We're going to have this sorted mm-hmm. out soon. Just just hold tight. Everything Oof. is fine. Gone. Wow. The, so the Wall Street Journal is looking at the numbers are going down as far as what people are getting when they put their NFTs up for sale again after paying a whole lot of money for them. Yeah, this getting, one guy you mentioned uh, bought the NFT for $32,000. Worth of crypto. Is trying to sell it for how much? You said $25.5 million. <laughs> And he's the current, current bid, $210 worth of Ether. That's still higher than I would have expected. I, I would recommend this person as well, except that offer. You're probably not going to get a better one. Isn't it a little bit strange that they're, they're trying to sell them so fast as well? Wouldn't you think you buy something for $35,000 and at least hold on to it for more than a year? Well, the one guy did hold his for about a year, the guy that or bought the Twitter thing. But there's a lot of economic uncertainty right now. Mm-hmm. And as they pointed out at the beginning of this article, when you're in one of these periods where it's like, is the USD going to collapse? Is America going to collapse? 
You don't want that much money in a speculative investment. You want to know something real or like gold or Lockheed Martin stocks or well, something like plus, that. Plus, if you have the expectation, let's say you have the realistic expectation that the NFT market isn't going to go up over time, then you better sell it now so you can get out while the getting out is maybe even somewhat good. But that's what I was saying. I was saying it seems like these people don't believe in their own NFTs if they're trying to sell them so quickly. The lack of interest isn't that unique, according to the journal. Interest in NFTs measured by the number of searches for the term peaked in January, according to Google Trends, and has fallen roughly 80% since then. That imbalance between the supply and demand is also hurting the NFT market. There are about five NFTs available for every buyer. According to data from coin analytics firm Chainalysis, as of the end of April, they have been nine point, or there have been 9.2 million NFTs sold, which were bought by 1.8 million people. The so largest- they flooded the market, mm-hmm. being, being reckless, silly people, as, as they often are. Well, there's no limit to this market. Everybody right. can jump in, which is what we saw happen in the last year I mean, and a half. You can jump in with a literal pixel. Yeah. Mm. But every corporation jumped in. I think you were describing Ticketmaster was selling NFT or giving away NFTs of yeah, if tickets. You buy, if you buy any tickets to uh, one of the NotFest shows, you evidently get a a NotFest NFT. I don't even know what that means. Same thing was true with uh, AMC Theaters. They started uh, giving away NFTs. With- but they also are exploring taking Dogecoin or something like that. Yeah, they're taking crypto. AMC's taking crypto. Yeah, so good on AMC for that. Uh, they're the, officially doing it already, or they're thinking about it? They're, they've been taking it since sometime last year, I think. The uh, The largest U.S. crypto exchange is still betting on NFTs. Coinbase launched a beta site last month. Talk about late to the party. Oh, good God. Can we please watch this destroy Coinbase? And 4 million people signed up. It will allow users to connect existing wallets to their site and buy and sell NFTs, initially without trading fees, and to create NFTs through the site. But, I mean, this is a year later. Coinbase is coming in and launching a brand new NFT site, and it's like... On the decline right now. That's why, that's why they want the state to come in and regulate all of these other industries so that Coinbase can never be late to the party again. Because Coinbase, uh, if you don't get, if you didn't get your NFT through Coinbase, it's an illegal mm. NFT. That's mm-hmm. what Coinbase wants to see. That way, it doesn't matter. That's why that's why they're bunning up with the state, and that's always why they've been bunning up with the state so that they can weaponize the state and use it to protect themselves against competition. Because they're they're too big as a corporation, they're slow to adapt to things. Right. For the longest time, the only cryptocurrencies you get you could get from Coinbase was Litecoin, Ethereum, and Bitcoin. That's right. That's it true. Took, now they've got dozens. It took them a very long time to advocate to add Bitcoin Cash, and I didn't even hate Coinbase then. I hated them because this was around the time that they were, you know, making a show out of fighting the IRS, and everyone really knew that they were going to cave in. But I was like, Coinbase still has a role to play here. Mm. This is where you would send your grandmother if you wanted your grandmother to buy cryptocurrency in a way that she just couldn't mess it up. She couldn't go to buy Bitcoin and end up with Terra or Bitcoin Gold or mm-hmm. Bitcoin SV or something like that, and that was valuable. Coinbase is no longer that. It took them forever to move into the wider cryptocurrency space. And by the time they did, other cryptocurrency exchanges, other smaller exchanges, had already beat them to it. And, of course, things like Monero, Zencash Horizon had come into existence. And Coinbase is never going to catch up with that. And now now a year- there's, there's still a place for people who don't know anything about crypto to go and get crypto. 
uh, one of yeah, the local get, business owners in town. But now you can town. get NFTs and other nonsense there. So sure, I mean it's more complicated. It's probably more complicated than it's been. But I, I don't, I don't want to send my grandmother to get Bitcoin and her saying, "Hey, I bought an NFT of this cute little puppy dog," <laughs> and now Coinbase has created that possibility. And that that was, as far as I could tell, the only legitimate role Coinbase ever served. Yeah, good point. I mean, who knows how uh, how much they're pushing this? But the NFTs, of course, went insane in 2021 as musicians, artists, celebrities, and companies jumped on the bandwagon. Artist Beeple, whoever that is, sold an NFT tied to his artwork for $69 million worth of crypto. What could this music possibly be? Because none of the <laughs> three of artwork. us have... Says I've never heard of it. But then you, okay. Wait, it says artist. what? Like an actual physical oh. artist. Oh, okay. uh, Adidas, Nike minted and sold NFTs tied to their sneakers. McDonald's sold an NFT tied to the re-release of the McRib sandwich. I hate, <laughs> I hate being human beings so much when you said that. And that's just a fraction of it. I mean, literally, every company out there, every corporation was jumping into the NFT scene. All the while, none of them are taking crypto for payments. No, of course not. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you can take control of the airwaves and talk about whatever is important to you. 603 283 6160, if you'd like to do that. In the number 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And coming up, PayPal is targeting independent media, as well as a story that hits closer to home. One of uh, the one of the friendlier journalists here in New Hampshire, Damian Fisher, has written a story about some Sununu detention centers. And Bonnie, you have that story, and we're going to get into it. But I have this story here from China that apparently has been talked about. But, I mean, the, what's what's going on in China right now? It's an ongoing topic, and we have not talked about it on any of the nights that I've been on. So, mm. obviously, I want to weigh in on this. Yeah, please, because we did cover it in depth on a couple of nights over the last month. Uh, we've, we've Well, how can you not? Look at what these people are doing. To Look at what these monsters... I suspect plenty of the U.S. media is ignoring this completely, but uh, yeah, there's there's absolutely horrifying things going on over in, uh, in not just Shanghai, but but elsewhere. Shanghai is sort of the, uh, the worst of the worst, where people are literally now being locked into their apartment complexes. They're installing huge metal fences outside of the apartment buildings, outside of the entrances, to literally prevent people from escaping. That has resulted, of course and people dying in fires when fires engulf uh, the building. They cannot escape. 
So, I had never even thought about that possibility. I saw footage last night. Uh, the Northrop Gundam. I don't know how you had the stomach to sit through these sorts of things. I he does this constantly. I had to scroll away from it. That's probably one of the first times ever. He's always like, Bonnie, look at this horrible thing happening. Look at this dog dying. Its legs <laughs> broke. Uh, anyway, the uh, Northrop Gundam channel on Twitter is just all day long posting, reposting imagery and video from China. And it's it's just absolutely terrible what's going on to those those people. The food that they're getting, uh, if they get it, is in many cases rotting. It's uh, moldy. Left out in the sun for hours. Yeah, it may have been left out for many hours before they're allowed to go and retrieve it uh, from the checkpoints nearby their apartment complexes. We're reading posts from one guy who is, uh, I don't know if he's American, but he's not He's not ch- a, China, a Chinese person. He's been there throughout this whole thing, locked down. Uh, he volunteered to be one of the sort of the runners for his apartment complex. That's right, because only one person for, per two apartment per building. apartment complex. Okay, it's two now. When I first heard about it, I thought it was one. Well, and this was so a, a few weeks ago. They may have changed it. They yeah, co- they're true. constantly changing the rules on on these people. Uh, of course, the testing was uh, supposed to be going on every single day. You're supposed to go and be tested. And this uh, is all in the name of having zero cases of COVID nineteen within China. That's the claim, yeah. Zero COVID policy. And this, that's obviously not possible unless they just shut down the port and don't allow any tourism in. Well, they've done that in places and it didn't help. Like, I don't remember where it was. There's some island that, wasn't that where they, the military was doing the hardcore that wasn't on lockdown. an island. No, that was somewhere. But the hard the military did do a hardcore lockdown, and they severely restricted access, and were cleaning every single day, and uh, like cleaning the bathroom if every time somebody used it, uh, just totally sanitizing everything. And COVID still got in there. I mean, the pro lockdown people, the pro social distancing people, they should really be watching it, watching what's happening in China because if China, using tactics like these cannot create a, a situation where there is no COVID-19, then your little weak lockdown is not going to do it either. It also shows people that the weak lockdown that they think is harmless can evolve into something completely tyrannical and crazy like this. This was originally supposed to be a five-day lockdown. It's now on probably day 50-something because the last time we talked about it was last week and it was day 45 uh, at that time. So, so yeah. Chinese authorities are now using bolts and wires to forcibly lock residents into their apartments to prevent them from leaving their homes. And you said this this came to my attention today. The article is dated from today, but they've been mm-hmm. doing this for a few days now. Oh, more than a few, probably. I've, I saw that within the last uh, couple of weeks on the, again, Northrop Gundam on Twitter. So the South China Morning Post has video about this, and it's, it's absolutely as bad as you would expect. They are taking... Those I don't know what they're called, but they're they're just solid steel poles, and mm-hmm. they're just driving them into the concrete in front of people's doors, and they're taking these thick steel wires, and they're wrapping the door handles up so people. There's literally no way you can open this door. It is completely stopped from being open. And I can't imagine that you know bashing out your window and jumping out is going to lead to any better results. Well, there have been doing uh, people doing that, and they're jumping to their deaths because they're so despondent. I mean, we know how many people were. Uh, more suicidal in just the United States, where the lockdowns were nowhere near as severe, of course, as what was going as what is happening in China right now in uh, Shanghai and and elsewhere. So, I mean, there's a there's a whole compilation video of Chinese Chinese people jumping to their doom. I'm not surprised to yeah. hear it. I mean, when you're locked down like this, there's nothing else you can do. People will go. You, see, people go insane 
when they are put in these situations. I mean, I've been yeah, in solitary jail. confinement is a is classified it's as torture. a torture for a reason. Yeah, I've been in jail on a couple of occasions as an activist, and the most recent one, of course, was last year after the uh, the Crypto Six arrest. I spent sixty nine days behind bars. Nice and. You know, <laughs> I'm fine I was going to say base for me. For me, going and going into solitary confinement, it's like okay, I get more time to read. It's not a big deal. Maybe it's because I'm institutionalized. I don't know. Uh, whatever. But most, a lot of people. I don't know if it's most, but a lot of people freak out. There's pounding on doors in some cases all night long until they come in and like tase the person or whatever. Somehow, somehow put them down. Uh, people just cannot handle being in uh, confined against their will they go crazy and and if well, they are able to open up a window and jump out like in jail you can't do that right there's bars on the windows but at your apartment complex you can slide open those glass doors walk out on the balcony and then keep walking it's understandable i mean human beings are animals and i've never seen an animal that was happy to be caged no except to be honest, my dog, she she loved her kennel back when she had it. Well, oh humans are social animals, specifically. So humans, ex- except for the most, uh, um, the uh, the people that don't like people, right? Like, there's there are those, those folks. They, they but, say that, though, but I mean, there's no one who's just sitting around hating people, not wanting anything to do with other individuals. I, I'm introverts, not a, that's the word I was looking for. I'm an introvert, but yeah. I, I still need social interaction with people. I still go most out and I do, do stuff. Yeah, most people do. Uh, and, and those folks, uh, they have a real hard time. The extroverts, the you know, people that need contact with others every single day, they cannot handle this stuff. And they go nuts. I'm well, watching the- footage right now of these suited men. Because all the footage from uh, Shanghai that has these Chinese agents dressed in full body suits, uh, you know, like the hazmat kind of suits, going around and doing all manner of just tyrannical stuff. They're either setting up fences or barbed wire or whatever. In this case, they're banning people from opening their own fridges. It's video from someone the ha- in their apartment, somebody in their apartment. The, the footages of the camera point of view is from the person laying on a bed or sitting on this bed. So their legs are out in front of them as two men. Uh, or two agents, can't tell if they're men or, or women, are in the apartment in their full body suits. One of them is putting a label across, a large sticker across the front of the refrigerator. So the sticker goes from the top uh, portion of the refrigerator to the bottom portion of the refrigerator. That way, if you open one of the doors, it tears, it's like a tamper-proof Correct. Still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then, if you open up one of the doors, it's going to break the sticker, and next and if time they, they come do back, the inspection. But, wait, I mean, what is the point of that? You're not allowed to eat? It doesn't explain why this is happening. It's just happening. And then, the, then I suspect it's because too many videos are leaking of people taking videos of their empty fridges. But this person's taking video of this entire thing happening. Oh, yeah, and so after true. the after the first guy applies the label to the the fridge, the second man who's standing there has a spray bottle and he starts spraying like spritzing the fridge with whatever is in this spray bottle, and then goes around spraying the room, and that's the end of the video. Most of the videos are usually with. Without much context, you kind of have to trust whoever it is that's posting it to either interpret what's being said or or give you some sort of context for what's going on. And that's hard to do, but there's really not much sensible context where the Chinese authorities are tamper-proof sealing up people's refrigerators after they've already been locking them in their homes and using wires and steel bars to trap them and barbed wire fence yeah. to trap them in their homes. Absolutely horrifying stuff coming out of China and, you know, 
The worst is probably not to has probably yet to come. We're going to talk more about it at 603-283-6160, all in the name of squashing COVID and bringing it down to zero total cases. This is why we need to keep our gun rights in the United States. Well, the Chinese people not having guns certainly is not helping them. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live, where you can join us, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to weigh in at 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Pony. And coming up just over a month and a half from now, I think about seven weeks from now, ForkFest.Party is the website. It's at Rogers Campground. You don't need a ticket. The Porcupine Freedom Festival is oversold at this point. God willing, they've stopped selling tickets by this point, but who knows? You don't need tickets for ForkFest, though. Just check it out, ForkFest.Party. All you need is to book an RV site, a camping site, or a motel room with Rogers Campground, and that's it. You're in. There's no organized events or anything like that. If you want to organize something, you are more than welcome to. Let You're also welcome to let other people know about it at the... ForkFest Telegram chat. You can find links to all of that at ForkFest.Party. So check it out. I'm planning to be there currently. I've officially requested the permission of my federal handlers to go there this year. Great. And I, I it's just it's rubber stamping at this point. I mean, it's still here in New Hampshire. So I will be there, and hopefully you will be there as well. That's ForkFest.Party. We're talking here about China and what's happening in Shanghai and not just Shanghai, evidently Beijing is also part of the the lockdown. The, the, China's is a genuine lockdown. What we call the lockdowns in the United States, they, they were pretty bad and they were pretty tyrannical in some places. But for sure. Here in New Hampshire, it was just, okay, you can't go to the bars for two weeks. And it was very minor. It was restrictive. It, it was tyranny. But it was nothing like what we're seeing in China, which is people being essentially welded into their homes, having tamper-proof seals put over the refrigerators for unknown reasons, and just bizarre draconian policies as China is doing everything that it can to bring its country down to having no COVID cases, which to me is bizarre. That can't possibly be what they're after here, because that means that they can never allow in any other travelers from other countries because they could have COVID. Mm -hmm. And in which case, all of this ramps back up again. I think the Western world finally came to terms with this at some point during the last year, which was, you know, COVID is always going to be here. The Delta strain, the Omega strain, whatever the current strain is that people were scared of, there's always going to be a new one. And no amount of vaccination is going to do anything about it. No amount of lockdowns or face masking. None of that's going to change it. It's always going to be here. But China is what the, the social distancing lockdown peoples would ever dream of, right? Sure. They, imagine all of those tyrannical policies, the, the lockdowns, the social distancing, forcing people to wear masks. Take all of that and take it up to its most extreme, most tyrannical point. Yeah. I mean, the only thing they're not doing is executing people. Yet. As far as we know. That we yeah. know of, yeah. Because right. how would we find their... They would just take the person's phone if the person even recorded well, them killing them. eventually you would likely hear, my loved one never came home from the camps. Okay, well, so how they do are you, taking, well, if your loved one lives in a different place than you, how would you know? Well, given the large number of people that they are taking to these camps, th- some of them are going to come back, I presume, at some point. Um, what if and the if person they don't lives come back, alone? 
Well, they can always say, no, they just died of COVID. I'm sorry. I'm, okay. If, if they live alone, then they can easily disappear them. I'm talking about the people that have families that they would then come back to, presuming they're not taking the entire family and, and locking them up. So I don't know what the policies are or whatever. But uh, we know they do have camps. We know they are holding God knows how many people. I've seen the images of these camps. I, what we don't know is how many camps there are and how many thousands of people per uh, per camp there are. I mean, we're are these camps similar to their hospitals? These hastily erect these quote hospitals. These hastily erected things where there was like a bed and then two feet next to you, there was another bed. and That's cur- exactly what the camps are like. Yeah. Okay, so it's just these yeah. these thrown together. Just rooms with people in them or are, cells with people in them. Are they using the ghost cities for these places? Good question. I don't know. Well, one thing I think about this is that it doesn't make the New Hampshire or the United States lockdowns any less bad than these lockdowns. It proves that the lockdowns were as bad as we were always saying they were, which is complete, uh, just like crimes against humanity, because it's the same exact thing in different degrees, which makes it just as bad. I I absolutely agree. So Beijing on Tuesday ramped up COVID-related restrictions by banning certain residents, including those from neighborhoods labeled medium and high risk mm. from leaving the city. So as as happened in Australia and I think New Zealand and other places, now people in Beijing, in certain neighborhoods at least, are not allowed to leave the city. And that, that to me, mm-hmm. that's how you know you're under the, the heel of tyranny and it's not going to let you go. It's, it's going to eventually kill you. Once, once it says, no, we are not letting you leave, that's it. No one is allowed to leave. That's when you know your government is going to eventually put a bullet in your head. And when people's governments are getting really bad and they're saying that uh, that's they're not at the line in the sand yet, like California. Oh, it's I'm not quite at the line in the sand to move to New Hampshire because it's not like they're not letting us leave. You can't wait till they're not letting you leave. <laughs> that's too late. Yes. Because at that point, that's too late. Yeah. That that's always one of the last lines in the sand before they start the executions. And I'm, I'm not saying the government's about to start executing people in Beijing, but it's coming. Mass executions. The that's likes just of which, the next step. Yeah, we're already seeing it in Xinjiang, where they're where they're te- running these test sites, these test reeducation programs, these murder sites on Muslims. Now they're just going to apply it to the wider population. Anyone who does something they don't disagree with. There are warning signs about this sort of thing coming long before you reach that point where the government says, no one can leave anymore. We're locking down the borders. You're here to stay. There are warning signs. And those warning signs are happening in places here in the United States right now. We're earlier in the warning signs than the people in China. But don't think that the United States is, you know, 50, 60 years away from this sort of nonsense like we're seeing here. Parts of the United States may be 50 or 60 years away, assuming nothing changes in the United States, doesn't collapse or anything like that. But other places like New York, they're not as far away from this from this nightmare as you would like to think. Uh, another point that is made here uh, pretty clearly on this Northrop Gundam channel on Twitter is whenever you see the insides of these quarantine camps, there's no social distancing whatsoever. Well, you they- can't. It's a prison. It's an overcrowded prison, isn't yeah. it? So, like, for all the supposed concern, I guess the idea is, well, they've already got COVID, so whatever, just throw them all in together. But there's just there's just no concern whatsoever for transmission of this virus inside the actual quarantine facilities. Because that's not what it's about. It's about control. It's about institutionalization, I think, as well. It's like, okay, basically, the Chinese government knows that 
this thing is going to make the rounds. It's going to get into everybody at some point. So that just means that everybody gets to go spend two weeks or whatever inside one of these facilities and become institutionalized to what's it, to what it's like to be a prisoner. So the next time the Chinese government says, hey, you know, we're doing it again. You have to go back to this facility for this time for three weeks. It won't seem as extreme. And then on the third time, they round them up and they say, oh, OK, yeah, this time you, you have to stay there. And we're going to pull a bullet in your head if you try to escape. You're absolutely yeah. right. It's normalizing. It is. Kidnapping people and holding them in prison camps against their will over some sort of virus. And yeah, as you pointed out, everyone in China eventually is going to get this virus. And the, based on what the Chinese government is doing, they're all going to spend time in these camps. Unless, of course, you work for the Communist Party and then they have a special area, I'm sure, I'm for sure you where do. you get really nice food. And that's not to say the next time with the next strain or whatever, the Chinese government is going to start you know, putting bullets into people's skulls. But with everything else we've seen, I wouldn't want to trust the Chinese government to be benevolent. Oh, no. These people are straight up evil. They are the worst of the worst. 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in. Perhaps help spread the word about how this could very well happen in the United States. 608-283-6160. Yeah! It's Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. If you would like to join us, that's 603-283-6160. One of the independent media channels or shows out there that it still exists. Not so much on YouTube these days. I mean, we are technically on YouTube, but we spent a lot of the COVID-19 pandemic, plandemic, scamdemic, whatever you would like to call it being banned from youtube and that's why we're over on odyssey you can find our channel there at video.freetalklive.com if you want to watch us at a place where we're there from day to day i can't help but notice that we're on like five six months here since we've been suspended from or since we've been given a strike from youtube and that just happens to coincide with people no longer talking about COVID 19 mm. So we can stand on here, we can criticize the invasion of Ukraine all we want, we can criticize the propaganda against the Russian government or the pro-Ukrainian propaganda all we want. They don't seem to be willing at this point to censor us over that, but they could at any time, sure. as they have censored so many others. And this is why It's probably just because we haven't been reported. Probably. And this is why Odyssey is so important. Video.freetalklive.com if you want to follow us there. We're always there day to day. You don't have to worry about whether or not we've been suspended or whether or not we have Two strikes, so we're not streaming because we don't want to get a third one. We're always there. That's video.freetalklive.com. Speaking of COVID-19, though, we have Sarah calling from New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. I am so proud of myself. I got my COVID booster today at Walgreens. Why are you proud of yourself, though? Well, because I've been, I've been wanting to do this since, like, last winter, and it was just so cold. I just I was just waiting because I thought that it would get things would get better. It would change in about a month, and it did get better. And I thought, well, I don't have to get the booster now. It's, it's, uh, it's, the rates are going down. And, and So you feel like you accomplished Sunday, something to be proud of, right? You did a good. Well, it was too yeah, cold in... April in Albuquerque, New Mexico, for her to go outside. <laughs> well, the thing is that I, I, they were telling everybody to get boosters a while ago when it was really cold, like um, 
like November or December, and I said I'm just gonna wait until um when it like February or March. Other than I, hanging around then, at the hospital to eat lunch, do you re- do you even leave the house anyway? Yeah, I leave the house, but okay. what what happened is that I went to the church, okay, and then I was in a van. You know, communism lady, is anti-religion, right? Well, I, let me get let me finish the story. That lady after the service came out with two masks, and she told me that she tested positive for COVID. She was warning me so that I will be sitting away from her or walk home in the van, and that's when I decided to run out and get a booster. So, so that this lady got her like a home test maybe two weeks ago because she was not feeling well, and then they called her during a service that she had COVID. She got the confirmation during a call. So you only wanted to go get a booster after you encountered somebody who had had COVID at some point. Yeah, and then I was I was in her van last Sunday this uh, for thirty minutes, and she sat there with no masks. Okay, and then Why'd I you sat get in the van? right in the back of her. You know what I mean? Why, I mean, why did what, you get in the van that? if you were so concerned? Well, why did you come to church if you got tested two weeks ago? But why so were you in her van? She never told. She did not know she had COVID. She got the result while in the service. She found out. Well, that's why uh, she went to called, church yeah. after getting tested. She didn't know that she had COVID. When you get tested, you don't just put your life on hold for two weeks while you wait on the results. People have stuff to but do. Why did she get tested? Look at it. it, it she got tested because she was not feeling something was wrong. She was sniffling that she wanted to get tested. Oh, no. Sniffling. Sarah, okay. you know that the, the booster isn't going to stop you from getting COVID, right? Well, no, but I just want to say this so-called legacy church, they got fined $10,000, $500 a day when the, when it was uh, mandatory to have a mask. And I was told that that church got shut down. They were not allowed to have services at Why all. Why are you going to this church if you're so concerned with COVID and you know that they are not as concerned as you are? Why are you going there? Right, right. Well, I talked to the pastor today. I left a message with him. And then he called me back, and I what I what he what they what he said was that the pastor encourages if you feel sick, if you're not doing well, we'll encourage you to stay home until you feel better. Make sure that you don't feel uh-huh. better, so you don't spread it around. Sure, but, but you didn't answer my question, Sarah. I'm just asking you a simple question: Why are you going to a church that is not as safe as you would like them to be? You can always watch Joyce yeah, Meyer on YouTube any day. Well, well, here's the thing. You know, um, the reason is because I'm going to this COVID virus church, okay, no mask church. Why? Why, though, Sarah? Why are you going to that church? Okay, they're the only one that's, you know, nice enough to pick me up and bring me back home on the van. That's the van. I understand. What What kind of a communist goes to church anyway? Yeah, you can watch Joyce Meyer on YouTube. She doesn't know what YouTube is. Oh, yeah, she doesn't have a smartphone. (laughs) Is this the Joyce Meyer church? No. The thing is, I've been doing that, uh, watching TV at home, but I'm really doing this for my mom. She's always praying that I go to church in person. Where does she live? She lives in California, and then Mm. I have to make her happy. You know what I mean? I want her, because that's all she's whining about all the time, you know? So then she got all excited when I said, oh, I found a church that picks me up and takes me back home. She was all happy about it. Is your mom a communist, too? Um, No, she's 
she doesn't care. She doesn't care about that. But look, Sarah, I yeah, have only I mean, been through New Mexico. I've not spent any significant amount of time there. I know in Mississippi, you you couldn't walk more than you know a hundred yards without passing at least one, maybe two churches. Is there not a a church within walking distance of wherever you live? Well, right now where I live, I'm I am not on a bus line. That that's not at all what I, I asked. No, 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 there is no church that I cannot walk to because okay. I kind of live not. Okay, the problem is before I could get a bus to a church. Now I cannot. I have to take a taxi to a bus line and then get to a church. And this is the one that's on the, I live kind of where I don't have bus service on Sunday. Well, that sounds like the communist dream, if you ask me, Sarah. Also, I you just have- would like to say my mom complains that I don't go to church all the time and I just don't go. That's the solution to your problem if this is the biggest problem going on in your life. That's a, that's also a really good point. But I mean, the, the world that Sarah's create that she wants to create is exactly like that, where she has to get a ride to a bus stop so she can take city transportation to the to the church or to the grocery store or whatever, and then take city transportation on the way back. And that's not possible. So she's having to rely on private transportation and no one wants to do that because it's not profitable. Well, no, you see, in a communist world, everything would be perfect. The trains would be there on time. Tracks would go everywhere. So she wouldn't have to go somewhere. She wouldn't have to use private transportation. The communists would do it all for her. With a smile on their face because they're doing it for the good of her humanity. Well, that's more or less why the people are picking her up to bring her to church. Because to be fair, why? They, they think they're doing it for the best of humanity. They're exposing mm. her to the teachings of Jesus. They're helping her, you know, get saved, get into heaven, all of that, all of that stuff that they happen to believe. You know, that's fine. I, I don't care. But, but to sit here and then criticize those same people, Sarah, for doing you a favor, <laughs> that's deplorable. Mm. That's what these people are going out of their way. They're the only church willing to come to where you live and pick you up and bring you to church and then take you home. And you're complaining. Ungrateful. Yes, yeah. because this lady got tested for COVID-19 and then tested positive, and you're not even sick, right? You're proud of yourself for going out and getting a booster shot, which is fine. You know, if you're afraid, and that that helps make you feel less afraid, I don't agree. Because it isn't going to stop COVID. No, and I, hopefully you're not of a childbirth-giving age, because they just came not. out today. I know she's not, but I meant people in general, because they just came out today that Pfizer uh, advises against taking it if you're pregnant. And if you're breastfeeding, if I recall correctly, right? Yep. Oh, by the way, I've been facetious about the communist thing. I don't want anyone listening to think I'm a <laughs> communist or I believe any of that horse crap. Sarah, the alternative, you know, is to always buy your own car. Then you can go to whichever church you want. She'd Six, have to work for that, though. She would, and she doesn't want to do that. I wish we'd gotten her to circle back to the point about you You put it out to her that it's not going to protect you. That, back, that booster, you're still going to get COVID. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You're invited to join us. 603-283-6160 if you would like to weigh in. Again, that's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And we are one of the independent media organizations that uh, companies around the world have sort of been targeting and attempting to silence for the last few years. And, you know, it may seem a bit high-minded of me to say that about our show, but it's... It's factually true. YouTube constantly was sending us strikes, and it was 
because of the opinions that we were expressing. YouTube didn't care for them. We are independent media. We're not beholden to Fox News or MSNBC or any of these others. I don't... We had our credit card uh, processor shut us down in, I think, September of last year. That's also true. And a fair number of us are facing federal indictments. So that's also a factor here. But Mm -hmm. losing all of these avenues, it it does occasionally feel like some, some dark force out there is doing everything it can to shut down independent media. And if you just look beyond us and what's affecting us personally, you have Julian Assange and Chelsea Manning, who spent like six months in jail because she refused to testify for a grand jury or something like that. I actually Is that fo- how long she went back for? I don't know. She may still be in jail. I, I, no, I, never... I think she's posting on Twitter. And well, so is uh, Ross Ulbricht in theory. True. Um, so yeah. I don't know if Chelsea Manning, that's true, she is dating someone now. So presumably she's no longer in jail. Yeah. Unless they're just like pen paling each other. But I don't know. It could also be that, too. But I, I tend to think she's probably not in jail anymore. But I do like the story of Chelsea Manning and how she refused to cooperate with the government, how she refused to give in. She stood by her principles and all that because she's a really good role model for other trans people, right? Like, as far as trans people standing up to the federal government, we've, we've, we've got a few. There's me and there's Chelsea Manning. And both of the two trans people I know who stood up to the federal government did not back down. That's a pretty good ratio to have versus all of the people out there taking plea deals and stuff like that, and who probably would have testified for the grand jury. She spent two months in jail for not testifying in front of the grand jury, which is longer than most people would spend because they'll do whatever the government tells and them. And it's not like they told her, you're going to spend two months in jail. They they just put her in there indefinitely, and then yeah, they had to let her out. it was unspecified, and I think she Correct. was fined at some point for it. I, I don't know the specifics. You, you can be held as long as the grand jury is meeting, and the grand jury meets for up to 18 months at a time. Well, if you're being held in contempt, you can be held as long as they want. Can you be held in contempt of a grand jury, though? Specifically regarding grand juries, the rule, as I understand it, Bonnie, is you can only be held as long as the grand jury is in session. Hmm. Still, a possibility of 18 months is a long time. So anyway, I don't know how I got into that, but kudos to Chelsea Manning on that. And kudos to the independent media out there. Like That's how I got into it. Julian Assange, who Mm -hmm. was willing to talk about things that no one else wanted him to talk about, because that's what independent media does. That's why it's so important now, evidently, PayPal is turning its crosshairs onto independent, independent media. And this isn't the first time they did this. They, sure. did, they did it to sex workers a few years ago. Then they, they did it to Chris Cantwell. They did. And, you know, I hate to say it, but this was why I spoke out against that sort of thing then. Because if, you're, if you want to test out a new censorship policy, you test it out on the most unpopular group of people you can find because no one's going to care if you silence the Nazis. If you keep right. them off Twitter, if you keep them off PayPal, no one's going to care. They're Nazis. Screw them. And that's why it's so important to stand up for the most disenfranchised, the most disrespected, the most widely reviled group in your society because they're the ones that are going to get targeted first for all of the fun little censorship programs and the mass murder programs that the governments are going to try. And they, they normalize it like with the um, what you guys are talking about with the camps in China. Yeah, they make it normal. And, and PayPal started with Chris Cantwell, sex workers, mm-hmm. both of which are obvious targets for this sort of thing, right? Sex workers, not very popular I mean, they're tremendously popular, but you wouldn't know that based on sure. what people have to say about them publicly on social media. They, they don't care if, you know, OnlyFans and 
Pornhub users or whatever get their monetization taken away, and they don't care if the Nazis do. Or- Sex workers, by the way, another group of people that uh, probably will never be able to open a bank account if they're honest with the banks about what they do. Because hmm. a lot of banks will, uh, will just they? say no. Riley Reed has had her Instagram taken down like 20 times. Who's that, a Who's- sex worker? She's a really famous porn star. Hmm. Is she posting nudes? If she's a porn star, probably. No. I don't think I you don't can think on so. Instagram, though. Yeah, oh, I, Instagram? I, I don't think she yeah, posts like, whole nudes. That's so. OnlyFans where you can do that, right? Sure. So they're upset with her because of her other profession? I, yeah. Well, the banks will shut you down, even if you're not using your account for uh, sex work. Yeah, but banks If they are find crazy. out you're a sex worker, you're done for. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, banks are crazy, but that doesn't explain why PayPal is targeting sex workers, except that, you know, they had a censorship apparatus in place that they wanted to try out. Well, they want to be a bank. Do they? Yeah. Sure. Like, yeah. They're not. They probably have to work with banks, be. too. Of course. They do for the time being, but the PayPal has their own debit card. They have their own ways of transferring money. They even have their own special little Bitcoin that people can buy <laughs> that may or may not actually be Bitcoin. We'll never know. They're working on giving people the capability of moving it out of PayPal. So they say. They do say yeah. that. And I have no reason to trust PayPal. I would suggest that most people have no reason to trust PayPal. But wasn't PayPal created by Elon Musk? I've not heard that story. I, it was Peter Thiel, I believe, was involved in the founding of PayPal. Maybe he was with what Musk am I at the time. Of I, I don't know. Uh, Peter Thiel is sort of known as this sort of libertarian investor or whatever, and he sold it years ago. I'm not sure what. The, I mean, maybe Musk wasn't an early investor. Anyway, do you want to hear the story? Yeah, absolutely. Because now I'm looking at this because I he was a co-founder of PayPal. Oh, evidently. oh wow! I didn't and know that. Good for him. Uh, I mean, PayPal's original intentions were good, but it just got corrupted often, by the banking system. I mean, that's you know? often how it goes, right? Cash App yeah. originally had good intentions, and they managed to keep those through, in a lot of cases, you can buy and sell Bitcoin on Cash App, mm-hmm. and they are trying to create- and you can withdraw it. Yes, and they are trying to create an actual peer-to-peer payment network, which is what PayPal allegedly was supposed to do. Actually, I guess I don't really know what PayPal's original plan was. I think that it the idea was to you know put people uh, in charge of being able to send money online to one another, which was prior to PayPal something you really couldn't do in any sort of meaningful way. So I mean, they really did advance the ball as far as online payments were concerned. Okay, to to put it in the reach of, of you know the average person. So I don't know how you pronounce this guy's name. I've seen his name over the years, Matt Tybee, T A I B B I. Uh, he's got a Substack account, which is, for those who don't know, it's a website that allows people like Glenn Greenwald and I think Ed Snowden may have one uh, to kind of just blog about whatever they want, supposedly without any editor- editorial interference from this company. Uh, so I've heard good things about Substack. Anyway, he says uh, in this story, PayPal's indie media wipeout, a series of moves against media outlets by PayPal, shows the next step in speech control, confiscation. Why won't the company answer questions? Some of this is going to sound familiar to you, Aria. In the last week or so, the online payment platform PayPal, without explanation, suspended the accounts of a series of individual journalists and media outlets, including the well-known sites Consortium News and Mint Press. Each received. I think I've heard of Mint Press. I've heard of yeah, Mint I've Press. heard of Mint Press. They did something about Free Keen. Oh, cool. Well, uh, you're the one that told me that. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, each received a variation of the following message. 
you can't use PayPal anymore, with an exclamation mark inside a triangle at the top. At PayPal, we value a safer community for our customers to do business. We noticed activity in your account that's inconsistent with our user agreement, and therefore, we can no longer offer you PayPal services. That part sounds familiar as someone who has, in fact, been banned for life from PayPal. Any bank or credit card details that's linked to your PayPal account cannot be removed and added to another account. You can still log in and see your account information, but you can't send or receive money. Any money in your PayPal balance will be held for up to 180 days. That's right. I forgot that. It was 180 Six freaking days, months. man. <laughs> if you are using PayPal as, like, let's say you're a un- mostly unbanked person, like me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I thankfully, they haven't shut down our PayPal account at this point. Could happen any day. But if you're using PayPal for your day-to-day stuff, you're using their debit card, that's where you're holding most, you're getting direct deposit or whatever from your, uh, your whoever it is you work for, etc. And then all of a sudden they say, you're done. But we're just going to hold your balance for 180 days. When then after that, they say, after 180 days, if applicable, we'll email you with information on how to withdraw any remaining money from your PayPal account. Which, regrettably, for people out there, it, it means they, they will write you a check. That, mm. that, that's the only way they'll do it. I've been through this, and I, yeah. I had forgotten that it was 180 days, but that did suck. And I remember making peace with them. I'm like, look, I'm just going to wait it out. And a half a year from now, I'm going to receive a nice little happy email telling me I have some money that I had forgotten about. Right. So I did just sort of make myself forget about it. But I wasn't trying to run my small business or whatever. Like, Conan yeah. buys and sells stuff on eBay. Maybe he gets payments through PayPal. I can't imagine having a significant amount of necessary money tied and it's gone. For 180 yeah. years. But it gets worse. Months. It gets worse. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, talking about how it's inevitable. Once you begin giving people control of your money, they seem to turn into the devil. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to weigh in on this topic or any other, whatever you want to talk about. If you want to talk about what's happening in China or if you just want to talk about NFTs like we were bashing on, they're finally dying and I've never been happy. Well, I have frequently been happier, but I'm... (laughs) Still very happy to hear about NFTs dying. And, of course, now we're talking about PayPal and the evil things that it's planning to do. Now that it's so popular, it's so widespread, it has so much control over people's money. 603-283-6160. Because this is the same old story we've always heard. The only example I can think of that's different would be Coinbase, who went into this game planning to be evil, planning to use the state apparatus to control people's money, planning to put themselves up as the gateway between the average person and the banking industry, as the cryptocurrency gateway to mm-hmm. appease the government. They, Coinbase planned that for the start. It doesn't seem like PayPal or Cash App or any of the other, these others set out to be that evil monolithic copy of the banking system well ultimately it is the government's fault like most things because the government makes the regulations that these people keep having to abide by yes and if there was no government then there would be no regulations that they would have to abide by and there would be no state that they could use that they could weaponize against competitors 
I, I'm still amazed to this day that some startup. I mean, if Jack Dorsey hadn't had Twitter money behind him, there's no way Square and Cash App could have survived as long as they did with PayPal being their competitor. PayPal would have just cried to the government, hey, no, you you can't let these people sell this Bitcoin stuff. They're mm-hmm. money laundering over there. And the government would have cracked down on Cash App. However, Jack Dorsey did have Twitter money, so he was able to actually compete with PayPal. Unfortunately, PayPal is an evil corporation. They've always been an evil corporation. We were just talking about how their standard policy when they close your account. I don't know if they've always been that evil. I mean, back in the day, you could just swing open a PayPal account with an, like, it felt like just an email address. And then eventually you could connect it to a bank account. And of course, then you'd have to go through a know your customer process. But I remember when it was pretty fast and loose with. That's true. Uh, I did say always evil, and they weren't always evil. Yeah. Like, I still technically have multiple. Multiple PayPal accounts. I imagine if I attempted mm-hmm. to use any of them, they would be they would immediately be flagged and blocked. Mm-hmm. However, back in the day, yes, I, I had multiple because yeah. all it took was an email address. Right. And now, because of government regulations, if you receive six hundred dollars on PayPal or any of these, you have to report it to the government for tax purposes. Well, PayPal will do the reporting for you in that mm-hmm. case. But yes, that's that's a recent development. And I'm not I'm not terribly surprised by it. I mean, the government wants to track every bit of the, the. That's why I don't understand why the government is hostile toward cryptocurrency. If what they actually want to do is track every bit of money, well, it seems like they would want to move people away from the dollar and into things like PayPal and cryptocurrency or we, Bitcoin in particular. Well, we know why they're hostile toward Bitcoin is because they don't control it. I mean, yeah, they can see every Bitcoin transaction. They want both. But yeah. that's not good enough. <laughs> they want to be able okay. to see and control it. Right. That's a fair point. My friend is trying to start a sewing business, mm. and I offered to pay him in Bitcoin. And I'm going to try to really explain to him, like, isn't this better than if any time you made $600 with your sewing business, you had to, if the government reported it because someone paid you on PayPal, you should just accept Bitcoin all the time. Now, if you're doing this as a business, remember, this this law has never existed at the time that I was running any businesses. But if a business existed, is this $600 of income or $600 of profit that they have to report? I believe it's income. Oh, that's re- that's absurd. It's yes. so tiny. But for uh, any small business, that's a tiny amount of money. Absolutely. It's, so it's it just is like insane, but- you're, you're going to have to be paying them so much more money just to start a business now. They, they, these people, the government, don't want what's best for the people. No, of course not. They want control and they want to be able to tax everything. And they realize that, you know, they have to take their taxes up further now that all of the COVID-19 printing happened and the, the inflation has kicked in and the dollar just doesn't go as far as they need it to. And it's not going to ever go that mm-hmm. far again. And they're just going to inflate more of it because the dollar isn't going as far. And it creates this this feedback loop of hyperinflation. Eventually, it gets to the point of hyperinflation. We're not at that point now. Not but yet. Their solution right now is to, okay, well, we'll just widen the the net onto which we're casting our taxes. I think the CPI uh, last month for March, or announced last month for March, was 8.5%, uh, which was the highest it's been in 41 or so years. Oh, the so, main numbers should be out soon. Uh, the, the, it'll be the April numbers. For, they'll right. be published this month, and uh, you know maybe we're going to hit double digits. Who knows? I tend to think that... My gut feeling as a consumer is that there was not much of an inflation increase from April from March to April as there was from, you know, February to April, February to March or whatever. Well, the numbers are measured on a 12-month basis. So, oh, that's 8.5% right. is from last year to this year. 
basically, as I understand it. Yeah, and I don't remember what inflation was like. It felt like around this time last year, but I can't imagine it was good. We did notice that there's cat food at Market Basket again. A little bit. Not that that has to do with inflation. There but. was no cat food. I, I, I had to buy some different cat food. Some mm. some stuff they had at uh, the actual pet store here. I don't remember the name of the pet store. But it was um, it was some wellness brand stuff. I was like, oh, the cats are going to hate this. It's we're, it's this hipster. It's healthy for your cats thing. Mm. And it's probably like 90% soy or something oh, that's going to kill my cats. So I did not want to buy it. But it was super expensive. It came in these little tiny cans. And the, there were 12 of them in the box. And mm. it cost me like almost 20-something dollars. Oh, wow. And that's that's six meals for these two cats. But luckily, I was able to find some from from the place that I normally get it from. And it's still super expensive and it, it wasn't what they like. It, it is something they will tolerate and that mm. they will deal with. But yeah, cat food, still missing and still don't know why. They say, well, it's because more people adopted cats during the pandemic. That many? I don't believe that, first of all, because that's exactly my response. I don't think that many people that doesn't, adopted yeah, cats. Yeah, it doesn't make sense because, I mean... If, whether the people adopted the cats or not, either the cats are in the humane society waiting for adoption or they're being adopted. I mean, eventually they might get put to death in some places, but you know, the same amount of cats should relatively be out there. Lots of people always had lots of cats. Yeah, and right. you don't immediately go from zero cats to one cat and buy them only wet food. Mm-hmm. Most people will only feed their cats dry food, and even the ones who use yeah. wet food will alternate between wet and dry on each day. Whenever I had a cat, it was dry food. Yeah, my cats were always dry food until my vet recommended against it, and I was like, oh, you know what? That's, that's a fair point. I'm going to stop doing that. And the cats have been noticeably healthier since mm. then, but... Also, for the last year, it's been very difficult to find what the cats actually want to eat. Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, at Market Basket, when we noticed there was more cat food, it still would have been something like if there was a normal amount of cat food all the time, then we saw that much, it would have looked like a little. But instead yeah, of being barely anything, fair point. Instead of being empty shelves, there were some cat foods. It's like there. hey, there's three boxes. I mean, th- under normal circumstances, it'd be like twenty, but yes. three is better than zero for sure. Unfortunately, you know, it's just one of those. I, I tend to, I jokingly said that it was because people were buying more McDonald's and stuff like that. So the meat quality that was being used in Big Macs or whatever is probably about the same that's being used in my cat food. <laughs> but I think you're on to something seriously. Like I, I really know, believe the, that. The amount of people eating, I think it's, there's probably something to be said for that because they just take all those bones, all that meat, and they, they crush it up into this, this disgusting amalgam of meats and meat products and bones and tissues and stuff and then they turn it into a burger shaped thing and they serve it to people or they turn it into cat food i was telling ian and he didn't know that at white castle they take onions and beef and put it into like a blender and then then they make the square patties which is really weird i didn't know that either but yeah this sounds about right and Mm -hmm. In a lot of these places, it's probably not 100% beef. I remember when I was growing up, my dad like mentioned Taco Bell. It's like, there's no way they're actually putting ground beef in there at the prices that they're... Yeah, no, I always heard... Yeah, that, anchovies. I always heard that Taco Bell was like the grade Z beef. It has to be, man. No, it's, it's seriously anchovies. Anchovies is fish. Yeah, they have anchovies as filler in their ground beef. Really? I wouldn't be terribly surprised. It seems like anchovies would be more expensive than the cardboard or whatever it is yeah. they're using. <laughs> I think I'm right. I mean, I think that's a fact. I... I'm that's pretty sure that's that. true. I don't that's know, but I mean, that's generally what gets put into your Big Mac and your Chicken McNuggets and stuff as well. The difference is, you know, I think a fair bit of that used to go into cat food, but people eating fast food is also on the decline, as I understand it. So I don't, I, I don't know what's going on with cat food. It's frustrating. Economic hard times are ahead. 
Luckily, my cats are not in any danger of starving. When this COVID-19 crap started, I went out and I bought like six big 50-pound bags of cat food. So one way or another, they will have something to eat. They'll get over it and eat their Yeah, they just may not be happy about it. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up about the evils of PayPal. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where as always, we invite you to take control of the airwaves and talk about whatever is on your mind. 603-283-6160 if you would like to weigh in. That's 603-283-6160. Maybe you worked at a Taco Bell and you can help us solve the mystery of the meat. Well, where we, is, what is it? Is it really, is it cardboard? I, I don't my see gut any, tells me it's cardboard. Well, I don't see anything about anchovies, yeah, so we, I don't know where that one came from. We didn't find Bonnie. anchovies online, but I'm not taking it back because anchovies is a figure of speech. Well, isn't anchovies a fancy, salty fish or something like fancy, that? fancy, but it's, <laughs> it's a pizza topping that weird people it's use. It's fish, though, right? Isn't it, it is fish? fish. Okay. They're tiny fish. People it's eat them salty, whole. salty, right? Like salty from That's being no, canned. It, it sounds right? gross to me, and I, I do know they're slimy, because mm. I worked at a Pizza Hut a very, very long time ago, and they did have anchovies. They were the only pizza place I'd ever heard of that had anchovies. Really? They, they were the most disgusting things I've ever touched in my life. <laughs> They came in this little sardine-like can, and you you peeled it back, and mm-hmm. they, they were slimy, and mm. uh, I don't know. Can't imagine really having gross. that on a pizza, right? Well, I know for sure, for a fact, that they're in the sauce at... Freaking forgot what it's called. You said White Castle earlier. Is that what you were thinking? No. Oh, Raising Cane's. That's a chicken place, and they have this really good sauce, and the, I only know that for a fact because somebody that I knew uh, knew somebody... That was vegan, so they had to. They wanted to order something from this place that wasn't chicken, and they're like, "I'm just gonna get fries and the sauce." And they were like, "Because I'm vegan, they had to disclose to them that there was anchovies in it." Gross, mm. but it's a I, good sauce. It's really good. I didn't good. even know this. Anchovy is actually the name of the fish. I was should have presumed that, right? I didn't. <laughs> there's actually a fish called the anchovy. Oh, yeah. I know that because of SpongeBob. I would assume that. Uh, I know they're disgusting. I would not want to eat one, but they're kind of like minnows. I'm leaning toward cardboard for Taco Bell because when I think about, you know, the consistency of the, the quote, ground beef in Taco Bell, I'm like this, you know, if you got cardboard like soaking wet, it would have about the same texture and the same consistency as the Taco Bell ground beef. Well, they have to do that. It, it comes like a powder. They have to add water to it and it hydrates it. It's not like something that comes frozen. It comes as a powder. Yeah. You know that from someone who worked there? No, I've seen videos of this. This is It's probably on TikTok, isn't it? I, I don't know. I mean, they are generally reliable when they circulate the internet like that. It sounds disgusting. I don't I don't know that I want to eat meat that has to be rehydrated. Luckily, we don't even have a Taco Bell here in Kane. We do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's, it's at the, the KFC. KFC. I thought they closed. I have no idea. I've never been there. I no, I've not heard that they closed. They, I, I thought think they were closed, closed years temporarily. ago. Okay. I think they were closed temporarily during the uh, COVID situation due to staffing issues. Well, they can't be doing well. I didn't even know there was one. But- I mean, they're right there in the same strip as Chipotle, and I'm not a big fan of Chipotle either. If I'm going to eat, you know, some cheap Mexican, it's going to be Chipotle. Chipotle went cashless. Did they? Are they COVID. still cashless? That's I understand it. And, wow, and you have to order a, ahead of time, 
Well, that annoyed me so bad that I was like, I'm never going back to Chipotle if they're going to do that. Uh, but- so Taco Bell admits that their meat is 88% beef. So that okay, much they're, well, they're up front about. A higher ratio than I would have expected. Uh, <laughs> and of course, the other 12% is made up of a lot of stuff like, you know. Soy. Soy, uh, soybean oil. I don't think they actually have soy as it's as a straight soy ingredient, but they do have soybean oil and soy lecithin, uh, as well as t- apparently cornstarch and torula yeast and a bunch of other stuff. Cocoa so. powder. But not seeing any uh, anchovies on the list. Caramel I mean, color. That sounds about right. I would expect about the same ingredients for McDonald's ground beef or Burger King ground beef. You know, it's not going to be 100% ground beef. It's going to have some sort of soybean oil in it. Probably some other garbage that I don't want to eat. Uh, interestingly, though, they uh, over at Slate.com, which is obviously a pretty heavy leftist opinion site, they have an article also at around the same time that Taco Bell really revealed this information. And they say that most fast food meat is very low quality. One study of fast food hamburgers found they contained connective tissue, blood vessels, peripheral nerves, adipose tissue, cartilage, and bone, as you were saying earlier, Aria, along with muscle tissue. To mask the flavor of... So this this is where the cat food went. Yep. Because that's what's in cat food. To Mm. mask the flavor of peripheral nerves, fast food meat is... Why does it have its own flavor? (laughs) uh, Fast food meat is heavily seasoned, as Taco Bell's seasoned beef uh, exemplifies. Without the seasoning, is somebody going to eat that and be like, this tastes like peripheral nerve. (laughs) Taco Bell's explainer website insists that they use, quote, only USDA-inspected 100% premium real beef, period, unquote. But that's a meaningless phrase. All meat sold in the U.S. is USDA-inspected, and premium doesn't have an official meaning as a meat label. Hold it's on, just hold on. When they say speak. When they say all meat sold in the United States is USDA-grade or whatever that term, the phrase was, do, mm-hmm. does that include the meat in cat food? I don't know. That's a good question. Because that's technically meat. It is. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I wouldn't eat it. I doubt that it's... Is, what would happen if... I don't... I, I spent enough time thinking about pulmonary veins and whatever it is that people are eating in their McDonald's. Right. We have Jordan on the line. Jordan, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Uh, I live in New Hampshire, and I see a few Ukrainian flags, and I was just going to ask you three, or really anyone, has anyone considered about, with all the funding and military going to Ukraine, that what would happen if alliances shifted in the other direction with Ukraine, you know, for whatever reason, in the next coming years, were to shift towards Russia with everything that's going on? Yeah, I mentioned this last night on the show, actually. I think it's a point that people need to realize it's, it's not only likely, it's inevitable. The same thing happened in Afghanistan where the United States sided with the Afghans against the the Soviet Union, they supplied them with arms, they trained them, and it's Osama bin Laden was one of the people that the United States military trained back in the 80s to, to fight against the Soviet Russians. And just a few decades later, not even two entire decades later, the United States government was fighting those very same people. And then left and left a ton of weapons and helicopters and things like that behind. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, it seems pretty obvious, right, Jordan? Uh, the U.S. Uh, proxy war fails and uh, Putin takes over Ukraine. Then he gets the spoils of war, which include whatever weapons the NATO and the U.S. sent in there. It was probably done on purpose, just a way for them to go in and, you know, start a new war. It does look like the U.S. government spent, you know, 20 years and countless trillions of dollars to arm the Afghan insurgents, to arm the Taliban. Like, there had to have been easier ways to arm the Taliban, 
But I'm, I'm not sure there were, not with the outrage against the Taliban and all of that stuff. But that, that seems to be the net result of the war in Afghanistan was the arming of the Taliban. And I suspect that's going to be the net result in Ukraine as well, Jordan. Yeah, I would think maybe this would be a topic of discussion for those in favor of secession. In mm. favor of secession in the United States? Like if, like if New Hampshire is seceding and becoming its own sovereign nation or whatever, would this be a, like a good open topic for discussion? I certainly think so, because it's obviously not New Hampshire that is sending arms to Ukraine and that is going to have to deal with the blowback once some, once some Russian dicta- once some dictator gets into power in Ukraine that's friendlier with Russia than they are to the United States. And that's one of the issues that we have with Zelensky and the situation in Russia. Sure, Zelensky, it seems, was put there by the CIA. He was put in power. He won't be in power forever. They're very likely to get someone in power who is pro-Russia. And suddenly all of those arms, all of that stuff is... You know, biting the United States government when really these, the, the New Hampshire government, they didn't do that. They paid taxes to the United States government, but that's under duress. It's not the average person of New Hampshire doing that. It's the U.S. government. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. If you would like to weigh in, share your thoughts and opinions about the the meat and meat, the, the cat food that people were eating at Burger King and McDonald's when they go out, or and Taco Bell and all of these other fast food places. It was, I thought it was suspicious <laughs> that people began eating more cat, more, more fast food, and the cat food began disappearing. But now, having heard the ingredients of what is actually going into fast food, I'm sitting here going, yeah, that's, that, that's the back of my cat's food label, is, mm. is what you're reading out right there. So, yeah, the, all the meat and the meat byproducts and the, the veins and the emulsified cartilage or whatever. That's, Crushed bone, apparently. Yeah, that's what that's what they put in, in wet cat food, right? And that's also what they put in fast food. So there's a cat food shortage. I don't know what else to say when people are eating more. <laughs> you, will you people out there stop eating my cat food? <laughs> <laughs> but before we got into that, we were talking about PayPal. And when I say my cat food, I mean the food that is for my cats, not for me. I'm not going to go home tonight and eat a can of cat food. It's not that bad here in New Hampshire yet because we are advocates of cryptocurrency and gold and stuff like that. So even when it does get that bad, when you're looking at your cat's food, being like, man, that that's going to... I, on the other hand, have two great, big, fat, juicy cats I can eat. Hmm. That's just... It was a bad joke. It didn't okay. land, clearly. Oh, I, I, say, I would never eat my cats. I didn't think yeah, you would. And no. Conan pointed out that... it. Eating your pets isn't enough meat and nutrition to mask the... Like, they'll help you not be depressed. They'll help you wake up if you don't have an alarm clock anymore because the internet's gone or whatever. There's all sorts of reasons. I mean, they're my friends. And yeah. I, I, I wouldn't eat my friends. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, a, it's a funny joke. Well, I think it's funny. I like telling it to people, you know, when they're sitting there, they're worrying about eating cat food or whatever, adding water to their dry cat food so they don't start it. I'm like, yeah, sucks for you. I got two cats I can eat. It's horrible, but it's it's my kind of dark humor. But anyway, we're Conan not... really is going to eat his rabbits, though. He is going to, and I saw videos of them today, and they're so cute. So cute. Oh. 
I don't know if he's going to eat these or because he's also got something he was breeding to sell or something mm. like that. So he's, he, he get, said he has meat rabbits and, and pe- something else rabbits. He's got pet rabbits. Hmm. So I'm hoping that he was not so callous to be like, "Hey, look at these meat rabbits. Aren't they adorable?" <laughs> but it's the Conan, next video so is him knows? cutting them. <laughs> it, this is nature, people. Stop eating these seeds and crickets. Well, you should definitely stop eating my cat's food. Yeah, I, I would appreciate that if people would comply. But before we got into that, we were talking about PayPal and how they're targeting independent media. Again. Again, yes. Uh, now, initially, they started out with people like Chris Cantwell as sex workers, the most unpopular people. And now they're spreading it to, I can't remember the name Consortium of Consortium News, which I had not heard of, and Mint Press, which I have. Mint Press, I have heard of, but they, they were really obscure. It's not like they were one of the most popular sites, but they were one that I know for a fact in the past I have clicked on and used. And Ian, I remember what they covered that you were talking about, that you told me about. You said that they covered the pumpkin riots in Keaton. Oh, cool. So uh, PayPal sent out notices saying here that uh, 180 days they're going to hold on to the balance of these accounts that are now locked down. They're saying you could still log into the account and see what the balance is, but that's about all you can do. That's a true statement. Yeah. Unlike many of the people on the list, consortium editor Joe Loria succeeded in actually reaching a human being at the company. That's amazing. In search of details about the frozen or held funds referenced in the note, the PayPal rep told him that if the company decided, quote, there was a violation, unquote, after their half-year-long review period, then it's possible, they said, that PayPal would keep the $9,348.14 remaining in consortium's account as, quote, damages, unquote. And what they mean by that is that if someone, if some little kid used their parents' credit card to send money through PayPal, or they used their parents' account, or any of these sorts of scenarios, or just where someone was scammed into sending money to this person's PayPal account, in theory, they would just deduct that money and return the rest of it to the guy. But they don't have to, and their terms of service don't require them to, as I understand it. Loria says, quote, a secretive process in which they could award themselves damages, not by a judge or a jury, totally in secret. Unquote. Consortium was founded by a late investigative reporter, Robert Perry, and has been critical of NATO and the Pentagon, and a consistent source of skeptical reporting about Russiagate, as well as one of just a few outlets regularly covering the Julian Assange case with any sympathy for the accused. Okay, so a free speech advocate, right? Hopefully this person at the consortium, they are also accepting cryptocurrency, hopefully. I hope so. Ironically, one if not, they they ought to really look into it. Uh, Ironically, one of the site's primary themes involves exploring disinformation emanating from the intelligence community. The site has has had content disrupted by platforms like Facebook before, but now its pockets are being picked in addition. The episode ups the ante again on the content moderation movement toward the world hinted at in response to the Canadian trucker protests, where having the wrong opinions can result in your money being frozen or seized. Which was also a good advertisement for cryptocurrency. Absolutely. Uh, Going after cash is a big jump from simply deleting speech with a much bigger chilling effect. This is especially true in the alternative media world, where money has long been notoriously tight, and the loss of a few thousand dollars here or there can have a major effect on a web website, podcast, or paper. That's a really good point. Uh, Fox News isn't going to be hurt if they miss $9,000 or whatever it was. Uh, but this, the smaller place, th- their size, that's going to be 
That's people is not that's people not being able to pay their families. As Mint Press founder feed, feed their families and executive me. director Minar Adley points out, the current era of content moderation characterized by private platforms either overtly or covertly working with government to identify accounts to censure really began with PayPal's historic decision in 2010 to halt donations to WikiLeaks. In that case, PayPal acted after receiving a letter from the State Department claiming the site's activities were illegal. Quote, PayPal banning donations from WikiLeaks really set up the blueprint for today's censorship. That's a strong argument there. And Uh, it's a true one. Loria believes PayPal is basing a potential claim on his company's funds on a list of restricted activities in its service agreement that includes providing, quote, false, inaccurate, or misleading information. Well, there it is right there. That's the, the, the loophole that you can just drive a Mack truck right on through. Whatever it is the government says is misleading, as we've learned during the COVID years, is all they need to have to have the excuse to freeze your account now. Even if something comes out... That proves that it was was true the whole Later time. Later on. Like the yeah. Hunter Biden laptop stuff. Yeah, you're not going to be able to go back to PayPal and say, ah, see, we were telling the truth. They're not They're not going to care. Well, it's even worse in reality because Julian Assange, WikiLeaks, they've never been caught in a lie. Mm-hmm. They've never been caught right. in misinformation. Everything that no one has ever even bothered to deny stuff that WikiLeaks has leaked. No, nope, they just want to put him in prison. So it's not even misinformation. It's just information that the powers that be don't want us to have. And that's far scarier. National security. I think it's bad if they want to prevent people from saying things that aren't true. Right. That's bad. You should be able to say something that isn't true, I think. You should be able to say things that are not true. However, when you go beyond that, it's like, no, I I don't want you to be able to say things that I don't want other people to know. That's That's a different level of evil. Well, Aria, because national security... Well, if your national security requires deceit and shadows and lies and hidden information, then they all it do. shouldn't be secure. Alan McLeod of Mint Press is one of the writers who received the notice about improper, quote, activity, unquote, in his account. He assumed at first there had to be a mistake. He said, the claim that my activity is inconsistent with their user agreement is complete nonsense because I literally haven't even used my PayPal account since at least August of 2021. He says, I actually assumed the suspension was because it had been inactive for too long. But yet all of a sudden recently, they closed him out. Uh, His most recent article, however, is entitled, quote, The NATO to TikTok Pipeline. Why is TikTok employing so many national security agents? In it, That's lived. a fair question. Isn't it interesting that national security just means the security of the nation, which That's is exactly the, what it the means. country, which is the government, the not you? Correct. In the same way that public health actually means the health of the state. Yeah, but to the average person, they buy into the mythology. To them, national security means they get to sleep safely at night right. knowing that the terror alert is only level yellow or orange <laughs> or whatever crazy scheme they've devised. It's it's sad. We knew this was coming, and this is why we spoke out against it when they shut down Chris Cantwell. And, of course, back then, no one cared because he's Chris Cantwell. He's just a Nazi. What does it matter? It always matters. It was always leading to this, and it's always going to get worse. 603-283-6160. When we get back, we're going to talk about something more closer to home here in New Hampshire. Governor Sununu and detention centers. Oh it's Free Talk Live. It's 
Free Talk Live. If you value the show, if you like the ideas of Liberty being out there on national radio, if you want to help us reach a larger audience, the best way to do that is with the AMPS program. You can find it at amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. Andrew Loy is tonight's amplifier. He's a civil level amplifier, which means that Andrew is giving $5 per month to the AMPS program. And that's all it takes to get in. Five bucks per month. It gets you a number of cool little features like an app only podcast, an app only version of the podcast that you can find there on Patreon. I think there's an app only Facebook group and an app only chat room on the Matrix server. So check it out. AMPS.freetalklive.com. If you like this show, if you want to help show your support, advertise, market, promote, and support is what it stands for. So that's AMPS.freetalklive.com. Now, Bonnie, I hadn't heard anything about this because if I'm paying attention to local New Hampshire news, it's going to be something related to cryptocurrency and federal charges and stuff like that. Otherwise, what whatever New Hampshire is doing, it's probably not as urgent to me as other things. However, then I hear words like detention center, and I'm like, oh, what have I not been paying attention to? Because it sounds like I need to go back to paying attention to New Hampshire news. Yeah, if you haven't heard about the main uh, reason this is in the news... It's in the news because there's a place called Sununu, the Sununu Detention Center for uh, youth in New Hampshire, youth detention center. Please tell me this is named after Chris Sununu. That's the cover. No, it's it's named after one of his grandparents or something because they're like a family goes way back. I don't know if it's his grandparents or his dad, but it's actually not him, the the governor, but it's kind of unfortunate for him. I wouldn't want my name on a detention center. Especially, Especially not if they're, they're raping, kids. raping kids since the 1960s. Yeah, that's why it's in the news, because they got raped. And I didn't even know that it was more than, I hate to say, like more than just sexual abuse, because that's horrible already. But they were also doing things like ma- making kids fight for their food. Oh, my lo- God. Locking them in. Uh, that that sort of thing wouldn't happen in New Hampshire without the state. Yep. I mean, that they wouldn't. it wouldn't happen at such a mass scale. Maybe some people, some psychopath once in a few decades would lock their own kid in a closet or something and, you know, eventually right. get find out. Once you liberate the kids from the psychopath and put them in the hands of somebody who's actually going to take care of them, the problem is solved. Whereas if the state is molesting children or torturing them or whatever, then it's this whole political process of trying to change the system from the inside and how do we investigate this and who do we blame? And it's just a, it's going to take years to change anything about that system. And th- that's ultimately what this story is all about uh, that somebody sent me today. If I was important to cover it, because this is about the government not wanting to take full responsibility for the fact that this happened under their watch. Sure, and why should they? It, it's really horrible. Well, I am going to begin tweeting at Governor Sununu tonight about <laughs> his, about his little rape center. Yep. And hopefully, I mean, that won't do anything, but no, I, I, I enjoy trolling him on Twitter and saying, hey man, how's that rape center of yours doing? Seems like a pretty good way of you know, trolling him. Hmm. So tell me what's going on here, because I have not heard anything about it. This, this broke from, a year ago. Well, this, this story is update. from seven hours ago. Okay. Indepthnewhampshire.org. Lawyers criticize state's abuse settlement proposal. I didn't realize this may be longer. Did you want to save this for another night? Well, I think we can get the basics down. Yeah, usually the, I usually think it, the basics are in the beginning of any story. Okay. says, lawyers for the victims in the Sununu Youth Detention Center abuse lawsuit says the state's proposed settlement agreement is a trap, hmm. which also sounds familiar. Okay, so the investigation has been ongoing in other states like, hey, we'll offer you a settlement, but it probably includes something like you, you can't, can't sue. sue us or mm, yep. 
You can't appeal it. That that sort mm-hmm. of nonsense. It says the legislator is considering a bill, which I thought was so weird. They're not taking it to court. They want to not have to take it to court. Right. So they want well, to. I can't say I blame them. They want to just put out this bill. It says considering a bill that would offer a one hundred million dollar settling to the victims <sighs> who claim. They were tortured and abused as children while being held at the Sununu Youth Detention Center. Wow, how many? Do you know how many people are I think involved it goes in this on, lawsuit? I think it says that here, but okay. it says on Wednesday, lawyers David Viciano and Russ Riley issued a statement calling the settlement proposal political theater. "Quote: The Senate is poised to vote on a bill HB sixteen seventy seven that supposedly atones for the state's unfathomable unfathomable sins. If it passes." It will do so even though uh, Senate President Morris and Attorney General Formella refused to meet with a single victim, <laughs> who Senator Morris refers to as wow. these people. It therefore is unsurprising that HB 1677 is a stark departure from the mainstream victim-friendly settlement processes we have seen work successfully for victims of church, state, and school abuse across the country in recent years. This bill is a political move to fool the public into thinking the current political leadership actually cares about the children the state abused. It says there are more than 300 men and women who say they were physically or sexually abused as children by 150 staffers from 1960 to 2018, which is the perfect example of the system is worse than the thing you're trying to use the system to fix. 150 people from 1960 to 2018 were sexually and physically abusing kids. It says the abuse includes gang rapes, oh being God. forced to fight each other for food, and being locked in solitary confinement for weeks or months. And there was 300 alleged victims in the suit? Yes. And okay. none of the 150 perpetrators of this this tragedy are going to serve any time, are they? Probably not. And I think that that's what they're also trying to get around. They don't want to take it to court. They want I mean, to settle. They just want to give them money. It. These are criminal acts. Sure, but it, when it is the state against the law it. to rape children. It even says, if you're a, a an overseer at a county detention center or that, a state detention center, it actually says the state has so far charged several former employees for their roles in the alleged abuse. Several out of one hundred and fifty, mm. exactly. Uh, while at the same time, the state is pursuing a settlement agreement. Mm. Viciano, which is one of the people that is from the Senate who wants wants this settle, settlement agreement to go through, said Wednesday, the settlement agreement being proposed minimized the level of abuse the victims... Oh, we know, Viciano is one of the people speaking out against it. Sorry. He said Wednesday, the settlement agreement being proposed minimized the level of, of abuse victims suffers, suffered and locks the victims into capped settlements based on the state's own definition of the abuse. In no other situation does the criminal get to be the judge and jury of its own case and decide the sentence, he said. It's a fair point, but I mean, it is the state, and the state is always judge, jury, and executioner. I'm I'm sorry that this was done to this person, but the state is ultimately always judge, jury, and executioner. That that is not particularly new, but it is it is terrible what what was done to these people, and obviously, th- there's nothing that the state of New Hampshire can do to make any of this better. But a a, a, a fat paycheck will help, and. The- uh, the proposal here, I'm looking at the proposed bill, HB 1677. It does say 
that for claims involving sexual and physical abuse or sexual abuse only, no individual claimant shall be paid more than $1.5 million in settlement of all claims. For all claims involving physical abuse only, no individual claimant shall be paid more than $150,000 in settlement of all physical abuse claims in the aggregate. Uh, And that's just one excerpt here. So I presume what they're trying to do here, Bonnie, is... The state attorneys are trying to negotiate with the attorneys of the the however many people that of the three hundred victims. They said three hundred, I guess, in the case. So, of the three hundred victims, they're trying to say, "Hey, look, you know, we're putting this thing together. We're trying to do what's right here. Okay, so can you just they're accept not trying this deal? very hard. Can you just accept this deal, and then we can make this? We can just put an end to this. We won't have to fight in court for years. The thing is, if they go to court, they could get much bigger payouts, yep. and that's the idea here. That's what uh, the lawyer says. Formella said the proposed agreement would allow the victims to avoid a potentially traumatic lawsuit, but that victims are able to pursue greater rewards through traditional lawsuits. The victims are traumatized at this point. Yep. Yeah. Demanding justice isn't going to trauma. What traumatized them was getting raped and throwing in, being thrown into solitary confinement for months or weeks and then having to fight for their food. That's what traumatized them. And the... The New Hampshire taxpayer is going to be the fool who ends up paying for this nonsense. Also, right. some of the victims are being excluded because of in this bill. I'm not sure by what mm. metric, but it says Amanda Grady Sexton, director of public affairs for the New Hampshire Coalition Against Domestic and Sexual Violence, said her organization cannot support the bill as is, as it excludes too many victims. Hmm. Not a surprise. No, and I hope this works out for the victims. Of course, I don't see any way that it could. I mean, ultimately, they are going to have to come to peace with what happened to them and forgive the transgressors who did it. However, that that doesn't mean it wouldn't go a long way for these people to get a, a nice fat payout from this. And mm-hmm. that that's the least that these people who committed these acts could do, I would argue. However, it's not. You said dozens of these perpetrators were. Uh, facing criminal charges or had faced criminal charges. That's several out of hundreds going back. I think it was 58 years. I don't remember now. I did the math off the top of my head and I don't remember now what it was. But even then, it's going to be the New Hampshire taxpayer who has to pay these million dollar settlements. Not even the people who actually did anything wrong. Most of them are going about just fine. And the proposed process involves filing a claim and then an administrator decides, not a jury. And they can decide you don't get anything. Uh, We're out of time for tonight, but you can join us in the meantime on our social media server at social.freetalklive.com. Insight Daily Radio. Conversations with today's most interesting artists and creators. Author, humorist, and radio personality Garrison Keillor has been a fixture in popular culture with over 30 best-selling books and his Prairie Home Companion radio program since the 1970s. And he has a new book entitled Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel. We caught up with Garrison to chat about his new book and the beginnings of the radio program that brought the fictional town of Lake Wobegon to life. I have always stolen from what I was writing and put it out in front of an audience in a theater. You get something back from an audience that you can't provide yourself. You get the vibe of the audience. They respond, they respond viscerally to some things and not to others. And this is so clear when you're talking uh, to people. So I have, uh, even, even after I thought I had finished the novel, I was using stories from it Uh, in performance 
and, uh, and, and, and then I would go back and, and change it. That's author and humorist Garrison Keillor, whose new book, Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel, comes out April 11th.